Charlie Lawrence, uh, professional runner, professional ultra runner now. Um, live in Boulder, Colorado. Was that it? Yeah, dude, that's that's perfect. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> yeah. easy. Yeah, nice and simple. And today we're gonna talk about your fifty mile world record that you set. What, like five days ago now, or something like that, or just a few days uh, ago? Two days. Yeah. So Monday now, that was Saturday, which is which is crazy. Yeah, dude, that, so. it was wild. Like I I was actually out at the Grand Canyon this last weekend, running, just having a good time with some friends, and then. When I got out, I saw that um, I think it was Michael Brandt from Ketone IQ, like HBMN. He like he posted about it, and I was digging into the record. I was like, "Holy crap! Like that's so fast." Yeah, no, it was, uh, and that's kind of crazy. Like, especially you mentioned Mike. Like, I've known Mike now for coming up on, I guess, really two years, year and a half at least. Um, and yeah, just kind of like full full circle moment because I told him like when he first chatted that my goal was to go try to get some ultra records at some point and was just kind of keen on the product when I first reached out and, you know, it's just been like, all right, if you think you're that good, like, we'll, we'll, we'll happy to get your product and kind of see what, you know, how we can, um, immerse you into the brand and all that. And, um, yeah, so just, uh, been kind of, kind of full circle story with, with Mike Brandt and Keith and IQ and, and all that. So it's something that I use daily. I mean, even today, I've, I think I'm gonna take today off my girl. I think my girlfriend convinced me to take one day off. Um, but even so, I woke up and first thing I did was I just ripped a ketone IQ because it's just kind of a ritual at this point to get my day started um, and rolling, especially pre-training. So um, something that's definitely in the rotation, regardless of what I'm doing. Yeah, I hear that. Like, there's there's so much science around it. But before we jump too much into like like your fueling and supplementation stuff, let's just talk about like the world record in general because like you were two minutes under Jim Walmsley's 50 mile record, which I think he set at the Carbon X project, right? Yep, uh, I believe 2019 at their first, um, their first one that they did. So, yeah, that was a pretty impressive time, and like, like obviously Jim is an incredible athlete, and he's done everything from short distance to longer distance. But like, let's just talk about like your build up to that, and like, I guess first of all, like, what was your time? Where did you do it? And then like, why was that so intriguing and or inspiring to you to like go after the 50 mile record? Yeah. So um, yeah, time was 4:48:21. So which comes out to it was a four hours, 40 minutes, 21 seconds. Comes up to 5.56 um, mile pace. So, and yeah, it was at Tunnel Hill. So just kind of a really, I won't say middle of nowhere, but it's southern, southern Illinois. Like you're pretty much in Kentucky, also very close to a part of Tennessee. Um, so just very, very, very flat kind of out there. But it's a old rail trail that's now essentially very, very, very crushed gravel, sandstone. So it's just a... Technically not a fast surface, but it's still a surface that you can run moderately fast on. Um, and for me, it was like, it'll save my legs over the long run. So um, we'll probably get a, a tired of me shouting him up. But Fernando Cabada, he's someone that I've known for a while. He's in the sport of running. Um, and I told him that I wanted to go after this record probably two years ago. I mean, it was two years ago. It was the fall of 21. And he's like, you should do that Tunnel Hill. And I had never heard of the race because I was just still kind of a road guy. Um, I still consider myself a, a road marathoner. Um and I was like, why, where, what did he do? He's like, oh, it's crushed gravel. Da-da-da. It'll slow you down, but it'll save your legs over the long run. And for me, that kind of like clicked like, oh, yeah, when I get to these late stages of marathons, typically the first thing I feel are my quads at, you know, my last one that I ran a month ago was mile 22, 23. My quads started to feel pretty fatigued and kind of blown out. Um, so for me, I'm like mentally, I'm like, cool. I can, I know I can run quick. I run the farm roads out here in Boulder, do workouts on them at, you know, five flat pace at marathon pace. So it's like, why could I not do something at sea level on a similar surface um, just for much longer? So um, that was kind of the 
the idea going into into Tunnel Hill and Frando was the first one that ever kind of put it in my head. So um, nice. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think um, Camille Heron and Zach Bitter have set records out there before too, right? They both, yeah. I believe it's both the hundred record. Again, don't 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 quote me on that, but um, yeah, they've both run tremendously, tremendously fast there. So um, I don't know how they did what I did um, twice because that's like hundred miles or so. Just like mind boggling to me. But you know, kudos to them. I mean, they're two of the the all time best, the greats. So yeah, that's for sure. But fifty miles, though, dude, is still it's still far. Like it's not like you went out for a five k or something. Oh, oh, no doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's for real. Very, very, very far. I mean, my, my longest run in training, uh, my longest training day was 35 miles. So it was like 28 in the morning, seven mile called a shakeout, I guess for, for a lot of people, that's probably just a run, but, um, seven mile shakeout to get, to get to 35. Um, but for me, um, I guess just training wise, it was like, I've always responded super, super well to like relatively high volume, but just like very, very, very intense, hard long runs, no matter where I was at, whether it was in college in Minnesota, um, with the Hansons in Michigan, and then even out here in Boulder, just 20, 25 miles, sub six pace, like first mile, stick it, go. Um, just be able to kind of lock in and be very, very, very comfortable at those paces. 530 to really six flat is I'm extremely, extremely comfortable at that pace for quite a long time obviously it got got difficult towards the end of tunnel hill because i've never been you know nowhere near over 40 miles at the pace so i could you know go do it at 25 very easily but um it's a different animal when you get above you know 30 35 even like 100 or 50k per se so yeah dude that's definitely true it's like things is i don't know they, they build up over time for sure and oh, yeah. it's not to, not to dig too much into your marathon which i know is you still consider yourself as a marathoner but or a roadrunner anyways but you're a 214 marathoner 216. Yeah. So I've run, run 216.10 twice. So to, to the second. So I ran, my debut was 216.10 in 2018. And I just ran uh, McCurdy Micro a month ago in October, 216.10 to the second. Um, I think, truthfully, I, you know, I can say this now. I think I was way fitter than what I ran at McCurdy, um, but I kind of really just used that as a workout. So I didn't really taper down a little bit, but not really for it. So I think I definitely had had more in me on the day, but um, no, I wanted to go after this record a month after. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So let's um let's take a little bit into your training then, because living in Boulder and stuff, and you've obviously ran a marathon a month ago, like you were saying. But like, what was your buildup like for this? Did you do a lot of just like high intensity? A little, like, what was your training like? Okay, let's just talk. About yeah. That. So, so for really, this is going to be kind of late July, August, um, especially the month of August. Pretty pretty intense, high volume. I mean, there was just the most consistent hard work I've really put in for a while. You know, I was injured all 2022, um, got up to 145 a week. This was in August. Um, then kind of the weeks surrounding it were, you know, 140 to 143-ish, a um, couple of 130s. Um, I'd kind of, as I was building up, you know, 120, 128, and kind of hit the, the 140 range, kind of came back down to about 130. Ran the US 20K championships. Um, so kept very, very, very high mileage then that was labor day. Um, and then yeah, the workouts around it were, I mean, I was doubling every single day besides Monday just to keep volume up. Um, most days were going to be anywhere in the morning, a minimum of 14. Um, I have to give a shout out to, to the Hansons for that. They're, they're kind of their method. Um, like we pre trials in 2020 was your easy days were 14 and four. So I kind of took that and was going, you know, 14 and four. If I felt terrible, I'd go like 13. 13 and five or like 13 and seven, um, 14 and six, 14 and four. So 
fell off from that. And then the workout days were just, I wanted to keep for me, at least when it comes to training, um, I'm self-coached currently. Um, I bounce a lot of stuff off, off of Des, um, my college coach, Steve Placentia, Plaz is what I'll probably call him if I mention him again. Um, but just some very, very, very like long workouts still at pace. And I still kept typically once a week, a VO2 session in there at like 5k pace, 5k effort, just to make marathon pace feel as easy as possible. Cause from my background, pretty strong aerobically. Um, I knew if I could run, you know, five, 10, five, 12 pace, I was hoping for, you know, five Oh six, five away pace for a marathon that I could probably do, you know, that for hopefully, you know, at least five thirty to five forty pace, five fifty pace for at least 40, 45 miles. And that would hopefully get me close enough to the finish line to, to go after this record. So, um, yeah, just like a healthy bag of everything, you know, I was doing every, like at the end of workouts, whether it's, you know, 12 to 15 by K, I was still doing four to eight, eight, four to four to eight, four hundreds after at 64, 65, just to keep the wheels turning. Um, also in the gym twice a week. So, um, down in my garage, I guess, gym, my garage, you know, I've trap par, treadmill, glute ham machine, bands, boxes, dumbbells, um, plates, you name it. So, um, that's one thing too, just being able to callous the body. I do able to take on one marathon and two, you know, since you double that going 50 miles, you know, plus 23 and, and change. So, um, just a lot of work, like all kind of encompassing work to hopefully just make myself like the best runner as possible. So high volume, pretty intense workouts. Um, you know, a lot at, at, at or below marathon pace. So, I mean, there's, you know, somewhere it's, you know, three by five miles at, at marathon pace, you know, with still like some pushes at the end to get faster work. Um, and also those VO2 work, um, those VO2 sessions that I mentioned. So, um, all that. And there, there was even a couple of days too early on where I was like, I just want to keep working on speed where I just did like a couple four, like hard four hundreds, like six really high quality, at like 60 flat. Um, and then just like, then it's like 2200s on off, um, just to keep everything, everything efficient and moving. So, cause for me, I feel, if I feel fast, I feel like super efficient at marathon or at, you know, would be, I guess, 50 mile pace now. So. That makes a lot of sense. And with all that volume, like at altitude and boulder there and then lifting and everything, like what did you do to maximize your recovery? Cause you can't just kind of like fast every day, or whatever, which is kind of trendy right now for a lot of people. Like, what was your feeling and supplementation like in the build up to your record at Tunnel Hill? Yeah. So for me and my girlfriend, like, I want to say she like, she like harps on me, but I'm pretty boring when it comes to my diet. Like I eat the same thing. The first, the first, I guess technically three meals of the day, they're going to be the, the exact same because I know how I feel and how I do it. So, um, you know, it's the pre-run like coffee, well, ketone coffee, um, bread, nut butter, honey, pre-run. And then I've, like, if I have a bigger session, um, I'll usually have a couple additional ketones and also have like start sipping my carb mix. Um, and obviously I feel throughout like major sessions, easy runs, even up to like 14 miles and just be going, have my breakfast. You're good to go. Uh, but for workouts, you know, I'm still, I'm making bottles of prepping bottles. I'm having something every roughly every three, four miles, depending. Um, and then really the same, make the exact same smoothie. Sometimes I change with the, the protein flavors after, after every run. And that's pretty much like what my morning breakfast would be. Um, just say a loaded, a loaded, a loaded smoothie, um, berries, nut butter, um, almond milk, um, protein powder, um, from one of my, one of my sponsors is bear performance nutrition. So, um, you know, they have pretty solid protein. So load that up in the smoothie collagen, 
you, you name it. So, um, and also one thing I've noticed as well is just after workouts, just cause usually you're pretty tired after big sessions, like rip another ketone IQ shot. Like it just kind of keeps you awake and typically you have to log in to do something or be online in some capacity. So it kind of helps you, you stay focused and you're not, you don't have any jitters from caffeine or anything like that. I don't get jitters, but I just, if I have coffee after like noon, I'm not sleeping till 1am the next morning. So, um, that's something I cut out. So it's just kind of a way to one help recovery to stay focused. And honestly, I think it helps with the second run too, if I have that after the run. So, um, you know, just a lot of truthfully, just make sure I'm fueling, getting enough in, um, carbohydrates, calories, um, and then just kind of the same, you know, nutrition with lunch. It's usually just a, some sort of a wrap or, well, either, either a egg burrito or a, um, like tuna wrap with a banana or sorry, excuse me, an apple. Um, and then kind of dinner usually differs, you know, kind of whatever I'm feeling after, uh, after my second run, but also have, after the second run, I have, um, a mix of greens, reds, and this product called intra flights from BPN. It's there has kind of all their amino acids, full profile, but helps a ton with just muscle soreness and recovery. Um, it's kind of a hack. So you just second run, whether it's, let's say it's a 24, 25 mile day, you just flood yourself with, with a green mix, like a reds mix. And then this injured flies, which helps with flood your body with nutrients, help recover. So for me, it's just get a lot of fruits and veggies. Um, if I'm hungry, I eat. Usually I'm just to uh, keep it really simple. It's another piece of like bread with nut butter because it tastes. I love that with honey. Like there's a company in Boulder called um, Highland Honey. And it's just like it's creamed honey. So it's super, super thick. Um, just, just lather that on. Um, it's it's literally candy. So um, if, I, if I get hungry, I have that or, um, or just usually like a like a bar from BPN. They have a couple of great, they're called field bars just to supplement that. And then dinner and usually before bed, I'll have just another, another protein shake right before bed. Cause it's just kind of, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night hungry. And if I am, that means I didn't eat enough the day before, um, or I'm under fueled. So, um, you just have that and that usually holds me over till the morning and repeat. So that's kind of really the biggest thing is for me, just making sure I have enough calories in and the right calories, um, enough protein, enough carbs, um, just to keep bouncing back and keep training. So. I think it's it's pretty key. Maybe it's because I do the same thing as you where, and I'm definitely not running at the same level as you, but I try to keep all my nutrition very simple. It's like, I like what I like. And it's like, it's almost like if it's one less thing to think about every day, then you're just going to feel good doing it. So like I eat almost the same breakfast every day, the same lunch every day, the same dinner, because like I feel good doing it. And I'm like, why would I want to deviate from this if I feel so good? And then it's like my recovery is spot on. So it's like, why change things that are working? Yeah. For, for me, I mean, it's just automatic. I mean, especially like my post run, like smoothie. And it's like, even my girlfriend's like, yeah, you should probably like eat more, but it's just like, it fills me up. It's don't quote me on the exact calorie count, but it's like 800, 900 calories. Like sometimes you're still, still in the red. So like if I'm a little hungry, I'll have more bread with nut butter, um, maybe like an egg on toast just real quick. Um, so that's really the only addition, but I just know I'm usually going to make up whatever I lost at dinner too. Cause that, that fluctuates usually some sort of high, you know, high protein, carb and a, and a veggie so we keep it pretty simple whether it's like salmon rice and a veggie or um pasta with the meat and, and a veggie so just kind of check all those boxes and as long as i'm doing that i know i'm at least for me i know i'm kind of getting everything i need so yeah definitely if you could just estimate i know you're just kind of like winging it as far as like calorie count and stuff but like how many calories do you think you're consuming every day um on and i'll say like on workout days like there's some yeah. like there's some like big workout days where just in the run or in the workout where I'm loading up with five, 600 calories of, of carbohydrates. And, you know, you can even throw in like ketones in there. You know, that's additional with the ketone IQ. It's 70 calories. You know, it's, 
you're burning right through it. So it's not actually like calories, calories, but roughly, and this is just a straight guess, somewhere around 3000, maybe a little, little over, maybe a little under, um, kind of depends. You know, some people might say that's, that's under fueling for what I'm doing, but, um, I think my body's just to an extent, like very, very, very efficient with the calories I have. So, and I think that's obviously just years and years of running training and kind of perfecting it. And it's, that's one thing too, where like, if I'm hungry, like I'm going to eat more. Like I, I did it with a buddy last night and it was just like, obviously it's, everyone's been there at a, I like a Mexican restaurant They just keep bringing the chips and stuff, but it was just like, it's tasting good. The guac was hitting, like, I'm going to keep scooping, you know, like I'm still, my metabolism's still rolling. I'm going to keep eating. So, um, that's that thing too. Like don't, you know, if you're hungry, eat. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's interesting in the running world where people just kind of try to max out the amount of calories they can eat every day. But like, if you're eating 3000 calories of real food versus like 5000 calories of candy bars, you're, you're going to feel a lot different because it's super easy just to eat like just tons of crap all day. But like, if you're, if it's not nutrient dense, you're not really getting anything from it. So it's like 3000 good calories is way better than like 5000 of Snickers or something. Yeah, it is a, it is a much, much, much different effect for sure. And that's one thing I, I noticed too, where, um, you know, just if I switch it up too much, like this is, I don't want to say I'm like fragile in any way, but I just feel different if I like switch something up too much, you know, like I have a steady rotation of five, six dinners. I, I rotate really too. Like obviously it, it, it's different, but, um, there's some days where it's like, if it's really different, I feel a little off just in, in a way, or, you know, my stomach might feel a little different. So, um, especially when it comes to like even races, just keep it simple, do it, do it, you know, um, such for even recovery, do it, you know, do it works and just optimize it the best you can. So and again, it's been a lot of trial and error for me too. It's been doing this professionally now for really five years. So it's, you know, just kind of refining what worked in high school, college, and just find the healthy, healthy, happy medium for sure with it. Yeah, definitely. And I think earlier when you mentioned sleep, like not taking caffeine, like afternoon, um, I usually cut mine off at two at the very latest, unless I'm doing something very specific, but I think sleep is so important. And with like, I don't know, in endurance sports, we all drink or consume a lot of caffeine, I feel like in general, because obviously like there's benefits to it, but taking it later in the day will definitely affect your sleep. And I don't know, I think I, I try to cut back as much as I can. And it sounds like you do as well, simply for the recovery aspect. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm for me, like it's, I definitely get like, I don't say flamed, but I get crap. Like I'm probably the most geriatric 28 year old you'll, you'll ever meet. Like I go to bed if I'm in heavy training, it's like I'm in bed at 8 15 PM at the latest. Like, but I'm also, I'm also a morning person. Like I have to get up, have to make my morning coffee, pour over every morning, um, all that. So like I'm up at five thirty, five forty, usually at the latest. Um, so I'm just like, my body just gets used to that sleep cycle, the same food, all that, you know, coffee in the morning, um, you know, before sessions, I guess I'll add this into, I will take, um, an additional like scoop It's called in focus on the BPM product has more caffeine helps with, helps with focus and, you know, just being focused on tasking similar to what like a ketone IQ would do. Um, but also just top that cause it's also 150 milligrams of caffeine sits well in my stomach. So for workout days and races, I'll take that roughly an hour before like the start. Um, but that's, you know, pretty much stop caffeine after breakfast, you know? So, um, yeah, the, I guess the only time I would take it was if I would were to do like a night race. So luckily as a road runner, you know, essentially every race is in the morning, which for me, I like, so I, I, uh, I've run on the track in 
two years, two years in, I just paced um, a race back in Minneapolis where I'm from. Um, Mill City did like one of the first ever Traction Metal at 5Ks. Um, I wanted to actually just pace it as a workout and did something after. But I was like, I said to my grandma, she lives like downtown Minneapolis and I'm like ripping, I'm having a coffee at uh, you know, like 7 p.m. And I'm just like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. And I slept like three hours. It was miserable. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know how that goes. There's, I, I do film and photography full time, so like, there's nights where like I'm just up super late shooting and stuff. And I'm like, I'm gonna have a coffee. And it's like eight o'clock, and then I just, if I do sleep, it's just garbage sleep. And I, I feel it the next day, and usually for a couple of days, to be honest. Well, yeah, and, and and for me too, it's like, like you, it's like, yeah, you, your sleep is off. Like you don't just feel it the next day. You feel it like in a workout, maybe two days later, and you're like, you probably know what it is, you know, or like you're out a little too late one night or something it's like all of a sudden you start getting sniffles it's like well you can probably point it back to to that truthfully you know i mean at least that's kind of how how i look at it like i i love going out and having fun and stuff but it's like when i'm in heavy training it's hard for me to get out of that cycle so i just know it's at least pretty optimal for what i need to train at a high level and recover and just hit the next session so yeah definitely it's totally understandable so let's talk about the week of the race then. Like, did you change anything or was it kind of like you just tapered down and continued the same nutrition strategy or did you do anything different? Um, honestly, no, I did. This would be kind of like funny and it's just me just being honestly a newbie in the ultra space where I just kind of did the exact same thing that I did prior to the marathon, um, just tapered even more, I guess. So cut, cut my mileage down more, um, kept my really fueling essentially the exact, exact same. Um, up until really two days out. So Thursday, race on a Saturday. Um, and again, I don't count calories. I don't necessarily count carbs. I guess I guesstimated. Um, this is something that's just worked for me since like college, at least, where it's like two days out, I like to get just a lot of extra carbs in. Um, you know, ask me the exact grams. I'd probably say it's 600 ish to 700. Because um, I just heard it like really a while back in college, like plasma, college would mention like, yeah, like, you know, at least when his time at, at Nike and when he was running professionally for ASICs, that's something that he had mentioned where, you know, carbohydrates, how exactly you can word it, at peak in your system would be most beneficial, you know, like 36 to like 48 hours out or something. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm having 700 carbs or 600 carbs, you know, the night of a Thursday for a Saturday race throughout that day, it should help me Saturday morning. So um, just really, really, really carved up that day, really more than I, maybe needed or felt I needed, like I felt disgusting. Like I, there's, we went to this Italian place in uh, Metropolis, Illinois, where we're staying and it was good, but I was just like, you got the breadsticks. I'm just like, you know, again, I'm not sure how many grams of carbs or nothing. I'm sure you know, if I had his food scale, I could figure it out, but I'm not bringing my, my coffee scale to, to a restaurant. Um, I'm just like shoveling a couple extra in and I just feel disgusting, feel gross. Um, but yeah, I guess race, that's kind of the biggest thing. Just get more carbs in two days out. Really my, my, like training or not training the feeling the day before pretty much the same as it was like um just had an extra i guess instead of a like protein shake the night before it's had a um it's actually a new bar that re releases in next wednesday so in like 10 days um bpan's called the go bar they're launching that so i had a couple of prototypes it's just 36 grams of carbs it's like a oatmeal bar endurance bar great it's awesome i had a couple like they brought some out um had two of those instead of like a protein shake. Had one in the morning instead of my protein shake. I ate that before bed, just get more carbs. Um, really kept it pretty, pretty standard. Sushi is kind of my thing. I like that the night before the race. Not many great sushi places, uh, believe it or not, in way, way Southern Illinois, but 
we uh we drove to Kentucky or well got takeout from Kentucky a place um quite average sushi to be honest but I just like that because it's it's rice um you know white rice very easy to to digest um I love salmon so that just sits really well pretty light meat um then what else you you know getting rolls sometimes like a little bit of avocado um not too much wasabi and, and I'm good to go so nutrition wise that's it um when it comes to I guess training I'm gonna do the same thing you know like pre-race hype session was Tuesday. Um, I'd essentially just kept it almost the exact same session I did four days up from my marathon. Um, it's actually did a little more volume than I did before the marathon. Um, it was just faster for the marathon. If that makes sense. I'm like add a rep here, minus a rep there would be good. Um, and then just really taper down essentially Wednesday was seven, Thursday, five, um, Friday, three drills and strides. So kept it pretty simple. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what about electrolytes? Are you kind of topping those off or are you just kind of winging that as well? Nope. So I, so the first thing I do also in the morning, like besides the, you know, keeps an IQ shot, um, is I'll just do a scoop of electrolytes in the morning, 500 milligrams of sodium just to start. Um, and then usually throughout the day. So I'll have like more also like with, and this is like kind of interesting, but my, like with, with my blender, um, I'll still like try to like get all everything I can from my smoothie. So I'll like pour the extra, like I'll put water in the blender after I've, like poured everything out into a cup to like actually drink or like scoop from. Sometimes I need like two cups because it's a massive smoothie. Like I still want like, I'm going off a double uh, sacral stress fracture and I have collagen in there. So I'll take like, I'll, I'll get flamed for this and I can't wait. Um, I'll sometimes I'll take like electric, like I'll put water in the blender, spin it. So it gets all the rest of the, like the smoothie in the water. Then I'll mix electrolytes in there and just drink that, like rip it with, with some vitamins. Um, just like, just to get all the nutrients and everything out of it. So I can't wait for people to flame me for this. It's going to be great. Um, and like my girlfriend thinks it's the weirdest thing in the world, but I'm like, what? I mean, I'm trying to get all the collagen, all that. So, um, that's also 500 milligrams of sodium. Usually have some with lunch. Um, and then before bed too, I'll take like with my, um, like magnesium before bed, take that as well. So, um, so I, I guess typically I'm probably getting plus with, with food, probably getting, I don't know, 2,500 milligrams sodium, 3000 a day. That's a straight guess, but, um, hopefully enough. <laughs> the blender thing is interesting because like, I don't see anything weird about it. Cause so you're just maximizing essentially like the food that you bought. It's like, why waste it and just throw it away when you can drink it or consume it? Like, that doesn't make yeah i I mean it's it's all it's all spinach it's all berries it's all like banana it's still like it's weird but like it tastes terrible like with just essentially all water so it's like i'll add some like lemon lime electrolytes it makes it taste it looks weird it looks gross it's you know green and gets kind of frothy but it's like whatever i'm like i'm getting electrolytes i'm getting all the nutrients out of it so um that might be the weirdest thing i do so I don't think it's that weird, but uh, anyways, let's, well, let's but, jump in. But, but, you, oh, but we also understand it, which is good. So, <laughs> yeah, I just I'm all about like, okay, if, if you're buying something, you might as well like consume all of it because, like, if you're say you are counting macros and, and micros and stuff, like, you want to like not skimp on things and like know exactly what you're eating and like it's like eating a steak but only eating like half of it, being like, oh, I got 50 grams of protein when you really got 25. Like, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> check all those boxes, kids. <laughs> exactly. So let's jump into like race day then. Cause so you tapered down, you just kind of ate what you normally did. You had amazing sushi in Kentucky, which is <laughs> super known for. <laughs> yep. Um, morning of the race. What did you do? Like, um, normal breakfast is coffee and ketones or 
Yep. So coffee. Um, and I like, I'm a coffee snob. Like I bring a hand grinder, bring my scale. Um, I had to bring beans from a coffee shop here in Boulder. Um, I even have a mini hot water heater so I can get it to the exact temperature I want to pour it. doesn't make it like, I also have a gooseneck kettle. So I, I wish I had like a good gooseneck kettle to travel with, but I, I make do. So, um, have that. Um, and just my typical, like, instead of like just one piece of bread with nut butter, I had just two nut butter with a lot of honey on it. Um, a couple nibbles of the go bar from BPN and then, um, just kind of got into my typical, like activation. So it's start by rolling out my feet, calves, um, foam roller, use my like, so right after I get, you know, hamstrings, calves, back quads, do that. And then get into band mobility and then essentially headed out to the race. So, um, very standard ritual morning. That's also another thing about me too, is I do in terms of recovery, I guess. So kind of taking a step back is. I do the exact same activation set. I've done it for essentially when I joined Hanson. So since 20, early 2019, the exact same pre-run, even before shakeouts. It's just a little a little short for shakeouts. So I'm still on the roller, still doing light band work. Um, it's monotonous. It's boring. But it's just like ritual at this point that I do. And like when I joined Hanson's, the, um, one of the first things like Dathan told me, Ritz and Hein was just like, was like well, it's your job now. You might as well do the best you can at it. So like show up prepared. So something that's kind of just kind of stuck with me since is do, do the little things, all the little things. Um, you just feel better. So got into that and then headed out to the course. So. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It seems like, I don't know, like just in general with everything, but even just now that you're talking about it, you're really validating the consistency aspect of like, okay, this is your job. And if you want to take it seriously, you got to do it right and be consistent. And like, whether you're, I don't know, an engineer or whatever you're doing, it's like, it's important to, not not traditions, but just have consistency in everything that you do. And like, if it works, it works. And there's a reason why people do what they do. And it's like, whether it's your diet or the, like the pre-run prep or whatever, it's like consistently do those things. because you know, the results are going to be there. Yeah. I mean, it, it compounds, right? It's just like consistency stacks. So, and it's, again, it's boring. It's monotonous. There's so, there's so many mornings on, or even I do nighttime mobility as well. Same nighttime routine. Like it takes only 10 minutes. Sometimes I would do not want to get off the couch and do it before I go to bed, but it's like, I just know how I feel, how I sleep, how I feel better. And it just adds up like it's five years of doing the exact same thing, essentially right there, you know? Um, but like, you know, came away with a, with a world record, not saying that it's because of all that, but it's like just doing it to continue to continue and everything else, you know? So. Definitely. So how early did you eat breakfast before Tunnel Hill started? Because I I was speaking to Sally McCray at States this year and, she was telling me that like before UTMB or I don't remember what race it was exactly. Like she had breakfast like three to four hours before the race, like in bed, like she ate breakfast and then tried to go back to sleep for a little bit. Like, did you do it? Do you have a specific time you eat before you go out and like have a workout and or a race? I like three hours before a race, um, before like, let's say just a morning run, I'm running from here. I can do it. Like I'll still, you know, get up at five forty ish. I'm eating by, let's say six Oh five, six ten ish. Then I'm out the door by 7.15, 7.30, so about an hour. But I'm usually eating a little more with with a race, like doubled up the carbs and all that. So um, so with with three, I was good. And I, you know, pre-race also had, just right before the race started, ripped a gel and a ketone shot. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, three hours before a race with, you know, I need to, if I get hungry or forgot hungry, I would have taken a nibble of one of the bars I had, but um, didn't. So I was good three hours out. No, that makes sense. And it seems like a lot of people try to just cram in stuff like last minute before a race. Like, oh, I'm going to take a gel five minutes before. 
even though they already had like a massive breakfast or something that causes them to have GI distress later on. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like I, I had done, you know, I'm going to say like dress rehearsals, but to an extent, like some bigger long runs and stuff I was like, would do. Well, and also too, I will say I'd like race morning workout wise, I will have an extra bottle of just electrolytes and BPN's GNM sport. So I'll load that up. Um, also with breakfast. So I had that as well, pre-rest morning and did that before really any session I do. Um, that's definitely something, something to know. So that's an extra 20 grams of carbs and total, I guess would be like 800 milligrams of sodium, 850. So, um, nothing to do. And I just know it sits well. So. Yeah. Okay. Then let's jump in into the race then. So you had like your pre-workout and what you normally would eat beforehand. So what was your fueling strategy during the race as far as like drinking, drink rate, carb rate, and like all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so it was super, super like unique in a way where Tunnel Hill is, it's just checkpoints. So the course is, it's double out and back. So you go 13 and change south, 13 change right back up, out and back. Um, and then you go, you know, 11 point whatever north, 11 point, you know, over back. So um, there's just these cut across roads and certain, you know, check stations, aid stations that your crew can be at. So mine was just had them at every station that they could be at. And it averaged out to be roughly probably every every five-ish miles. Um, so I just really kind of, this is probably a bold move. I just kind of copy and paste what I did for uh, for the marathon. So like a marathon is every three miles. Um, that was a little different where every every bottle to have a, it was a different bottle of like just straight G1M, a bottle of like G1M and ketone and a bottle of electrolytes with a gel. So with for, so for this one, I was like, I definitely just want more carbs. Um, so it was like every, Every other bottle, roughly, was just electrolytes and a gel, um, and then the other ones was G1M and a ketone. I also had two gels in my shorts and another ketone in my back pocket. Um, so it was just kind of make sure I finished the bottle. And that was my biggest thing. It was like get the nutrition. You know, the first one was a bottle of electrolytes with a gel, um, and just finish all of it. And I guess the the big key with that was make sure I finished the gel, get all the calories there. The electrolytes, if you don't feel like you want to finish all of it, at least get some down in electrolytes and use it to like wash down the gel. Um, so that was like my first bottle, third bottle, fifth, seventh, and essentially ninth bottle. Um, and then every roughly one at every 10, 20, 30, and like 40 point, whatever it was, was G1M mixed with a ketone IQ shot. Um, and then there were, there were a couple points where um felt like I was getting a little tired. So I, you know, cashed an extra gel in my shorts. Um, then the last, then the last like eight miles, um, you know, ended up pulling out my extra gel, my extra ketone and just goes, it's where it got, it got, it got pretty tough, but, um, at least what, like my legs thought they were, they were blowing up. So, um, that was really the plan, which is, you know, all essentially liquid and gel diet for 50 miles. So I guess if it's under five hours, that's probably not like you're, um, craving a, I don't know sushi or salmon or something right no no not at all and then that's thing too where even to like i finish and i was like oh you gotta be you gotta be starving you gotta be hungry i'm like nothing sounds good nothing sounds good so it was like i had 10 bottles throughout it and there were you know eight to 12 ounce bottles and like we just went like with the mix it was eight ounces then with the gel and then with you know with with the mix and a ketone it was well over you know 10 11 ounces you know whatever these are i think four or two ounces. So like an extra 10 ounce. So it's, you're throwing a lot of liquid back and so a lot of liquid calories and just a lot of sugar. So you just feel like you don't feel good. Your stomach doesn't feel great. Um, like no stomach distress or anything, but just nothing sounds enticing to eat after. So. 
<laughs> yeah, personally, I think that's a sign that you fueled properly during a longer event is like, if you're not hungry afterwards, it means you're consuming adequate calories. And like, if you're finished starving, it probably means you should have eaten more while you're out there. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of hit it. And that's where I like, going back on my, I just think I'm just really efficient with the calories that I, that I take daily and just the calories that I've adapted to, to training with. Um, I mean, I, there's definitely points, especially the last, like it got really, really, really hard eight miles to go. Um, that was just cause my legs were, were just felt like they're blowing up. Um, and that's when I like really tried to get more calories. So maybe I could have gotten more in earlier to try to prevent that. Cause I was essentially bonking is what it, what it felt like, you know? Um, but at that point you're, you know, never run 40 miles in my life. So it's kind of to be expected a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, but with that being said, I think I definitely optimized fueling at least as best I could and to the best of my knowledge, you know, so. Definitely. So does BPN make gels as well as like their electrolyte mix and stuff? They do. They just launched gels. Don't call me like a month ago. So, um, pretty solid. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to check them out. I didn't, I don't, I didn't, I don't really know exactly what they make to be honest. I know there's some like electrolyte mix and whatever stuff, but like, I didn't really know they made gels. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like literally kind of launching a full endurance on. They've always had G1L, which is their carb mix. Um, you know, it's the cluster dexin. So the same as like a scratch super fuel, um, that type. And then it just launched a gel. Yeah. Five a month, five, six weeks ago. Um, and then these go bars are releasing, um, yeah, 10 days from now, like next Wednesday. So, um, pretty kind of cool seeing them grow in that space. And obviously being an athlete there is it's something that you love to see because it helps you. So, Oh yeah, definitely for sure. So like if you could kind of guess or kind of put some numbers together, how many carbs do you think you drank the entire race and how many ketone shots did you do? Uh, throughout the entire race. So six ketone shots. Um, then calorie wise, like let's say I finished every single bottle, like to the, to the last drop, which no one ever does, um, would have been like 1800 and like 40 calories. So I'm assuming I probably assumed or consumed 1700 high, you know, um, carb wise, you put me at roughly 420 ish all in. Um, so plus the, the additional like, ketone shots to get to, you know, the 1800 and change. Um, so yeah, roughly, you know, still, you know, almost a five hour race and I was, you know, less than a hundred hours so probably 80 grams of carbs an hour averaged. Um, again, kind of just guesstimating there, but, um, somewhere in that ballpark. It seems like a pretty adequate amount, like not going too much, not going too little. And you said you didn't really have any major like gastric issues, right? No, no, pretty, pretty fortunate where, um, yeah, everything's just typically sat. If I do stick to my routine, what I always take pre-race during all that, um, my stomach's responded well. Like, there's been times I've, you know, tried a different gel or, um, you know, when I was in, I guess with Hanson's, I was trying, you know, goo energy gels at the time. And there were some that just didn't sit well. You know, it's like whatever form of carbohydrate it was just didn't sit well. So I haven't used those since. So, um, yeah, just kind of, for anyone, you know, use what works and what sits well. So unfortunately, no issues. Yeah, I think that's a pretty a critical aspect you're kind of alluding to is like just experimenting with things. Cause like I have friends that can sit there and suck down goo gels all day. And I'm like, that's disgusting. And like, I literally can't have one. I just feel sick afterwards. And then like vice versa with the gels that I take, like I love them, but other people say they hate them. And sometimes it's a texture thing. Other times it's just how it sits in your stomach, but everyone's just slightly different. So it's like spending the time in your training to find out what works for you. Is, is yeah, well, that's, that, that's the thing too. And it's like, it, 
wasn't necessarily the most fun experimenting, but you had to find like, like what works. Like even for me too, like Morton gels also sit extremely well. So like, if I'm ever like low on like BPN's gels or anything, like I know like a Morton gel would be like, if of course I had a Morton gel and I was desperate, like go grab that, that sits well. Like you just need carbs, like, you know, or, or what sits well. So, um, through, through some trial and definitely some, some error for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely like the more gels are good too but they kind of feel like a tapioca pudding to me personally i oh, like that they're hard, they're hard to swallow yeah so i just because i i knew i wanted more carbs at a certain point i did have a, a morton gel 160 with some electrolytes and it's just like it's different because the go gel is very 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 like it's a very nice consistency the bpns more just feels like it's a i mean hydrogel but it's like a a gel block you know you're like bite you, you chew it off and then you're kind of like you can't like swallow it all down so it's kind of like sitting there and like um but again it's it's carbs that sit well for me so i'm like all right cool like we'll, we'll be good there yeah just for a second it's interesting like how gels and just feeling has advanced over the years like when i started running goo was like the gold standard of like this is all anybody has and like hammer nutrition or whatever it was like kind of a thing but now like over the years like things have gotten so much better with new science and stuff and it it's cool to see so like major major advancement that's something that's probably not like talked about a ton too was because yeah same thing when i was in high school like goo gels, the gold, the gold standard, like not trying to, not trying to can, can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Like, like, like not trying to shit on goo or anything, but it was just like, <laughs> they were the best, like, as far as I was concerned when I was in high school. So it's like, if you need, I don't know why I would ever need a gel, but I remember like picking up a couple, you know, like at, at a local run shop in high school, like, Oh, I'm going to take these to be great for my, my four mile run tomorrow, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just, just dumb stuff. Um, but yeah definitely i was the same way like when i started running i'm like oh i gotta have goo and like that's just what i could find everywhere like it's just so accessible like that and like cliff bars like cliff was such a big thing back then and i can't even fathom like eating a cliff bar today honestly like, they're disgusting <laughs> no no I, and it's funny too where i'll have to shout out one of my one of my old coaches Corey leslie um one of his things too is he would always this is in college and he was running professionally he'd always like he'd have a snicker bar like the night before before a race and, I'm, and I remember being I'm like, dude, that's like, why? Like Snickers, come on, dude. He's like, it's like oh, like a Cliff Bar is any better, dude. Like, like shut, shut the hell up. I'm like, all right, all right. fair, fair, fair. So, oh, man. a friend of mine who uh, he ran stages here, he just signed with somebody else, but he was with Cliff for a while. And like, we're at the Grand Canyon this spring doing some training runs and he was eating Cliff Bars while running in the Grand Canyon. I was like, this is wild, dude. Like, how do you choke those things down with limited water and I don't know, like whatever, teach their own. Yeah, and I'll say, I will say this, but it's definitely like he's definitely had more than like you and I have had. So probably just like he's used to it, it sits well. You know, it's gonna work. Like for me, I would like if I'm desperate and need calories, like absolutely, I'll eat a Cliff Bar. But it's like it's not. I'm gonna go into my bag of whatever else I have and and figure you know find something else if I if I have other options. Yeah, same here, dude. Same here. Um. So yeah. So yeah, you ran what four forty eight and change. Twenty one. Right? Yeah. yeah. So what, how was your recovery afterwards? Like, that's just like a phenomenal time, obviously. And it's stupid fast, but like, what did you do for recovery post run? So yeah, f finished up and it's kind of like these, I mean, I'm so new to the ultra world. So I'm just like, you know, there's like a, I don't want to say they're having a barbecue, but there's like, they're making burgers and stuff at like the, the start finish line. Um, you know, like get back to my phone. It's just blowing up. Like right away, I had a couple of texts, like, called Des to check up because she kind of like reaffirmed my race plan, like go a little hot, do this, um, have some time in the bank. So talk to her. And then, you know, my, my dad, um, another good friend of mine was there. Um, 
Trevor from BPN was there. And then my girlfriend, they're like, we should go get some food. Like I also had to go get a drug test. Um, and just nothing, nothing sounded good. So like, honestly, like we just kind of sat there waited for like the, I guess, awards. It's kind of tough in ultra running. So everyone gets pretty spread out. Um, but did that. And, um, it was weird. Like I didn't eat until like 4 PM that day, <laughs> 5 PM. Cause I just, I didn't feel hungry. Um, I, I took a bite of the BPN go bars cause I knew I needed some calories and I had, you know, a tiny, tiny bite. I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry. That doesn't sound good. Um, I just was honestly like drinking water and, um, got like the hotel shower, did a, did a quick interview. Um, and yeah, then went and housed, housed a massive, uh, burrito out of Mexican place and in, in Metropolis, uh, Illinois. So, um, and that, that's the one day where it's like, I'm just so out of routine. Like I didn't, like I didn't have a blender too. So I'll also say this, like when I'm traveling, so like the day before the race, like I still want my smoothie. I w- went to a grocery store and I bought, sorry, I'm taking a tangent here, but I went and, uh, went and bought like blueberries, strawberries, spinach and all that. So I'm just like, I had a protein shake just with water, the protein powder, but it also was like fisting strawberries, blueberries, and spinach in my mouth to like, kind of like have like what my smoothie would have. Um, yeah, weird, weird, weird runner stuff. But, um, yeah, for recovery, it was just like try to get calories in, but I wasn't hungry. So that's like, I kind of failed myself in that respect. Cause just nothing, nothing sounded good. I did rip a ketone IQ shot though. Cause I'm like, this will just be easy. Boom down. You're good. And truthfully, and like, I don't use it for this. It does suppress appetite, which was probably a reason I shouldn't have ripped it. Um, cause I needed food, but I was just like, I like one, I don't want to crash. So it'll give me some energy. Um, and nothing sounds good. And it's a shot. So you can just down it and you're good. You're not like chewing it or really, you know, it's not sitting in your stomach like a rock. It's a liquid. So, um, did that, then was pretty hungry after, after dinner and kind of everything started coming back. And, um, we ended up staying in Nashville that night. Um, we had an early flight yesterday morning back and I was like, I want some hot chicken. So we, we pulled up to Hattie B's when we got to Nashville at like 11 PM real quick and set a hot chicken sandwich and some fries and a beer and, and racked out. So, um, so, so for recovery, recovery was not optimized by any means. Um, you know, Saturday night and then got back yesterday and it was just like, I got back into routine, you know, got back, watched some football, like still wanted to shake out. So I ran just really two easy two miles on my treadmill while Alice and my girlfriend was biking. Um, she's crushing in the moment. She's a little injured. And then, um, yeah, made my smoothie after the run. Obviously it's in the afternoon, but loaded up with everything I could. Um, greens, reds powder as well. Um, then at dinner with a, with a buddy. So, um, kind of back, back in the routine now. Um, so that's now it's like, the focus now for me is just like get back in routine, like get back to my, my smoothies, all everything I take um, and just keep it, keep it rolling. So, and this is, I don't know if it's frowned upon or, or good, but like my thing too, is like, even after my marathon, like I ran six miles the next day and started training right back in. Cause I had this. So it's essentially trained right through it. Um, even like yesterday, I still ran, it was only two miles, you know, super, super slow, like seven forty pace um, on my treadmill, just like, flush the legs like it feels miserable i have some gnarly blisters on my feet but um you feel better after for it you just get some blood flow through so um that's one thing i'm a huge proponent of is just shakeouts um even every day just, even during hard days still go run four or five if you need mileage go six six is arguably a second run but um just to shake out just get blood flow is really the easiest thing for for recovery my opinion like we were talking about earlier stay on nutrition so I, I totally agree with that. Like the active recovery thing is, is so vital and like getting back into your routine as well. I think just for like the mental side of it too, like knowing that you're not just totally destroyed and out of your routine. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's just like for me mentally, I'm just like, Oh yeah, I can go and run again. Like 
we're good. We're good. No fuss. Doesn't feel doesn't feel that great in the quads, or you know, my blisters feel terrible. But whatever, we're chilling. We're back. Um, and that's one of the two plaz. My college coach. I was texting him yesterday. He's like, he's like, yeah. Well, um, I think, I'm, or I forgot a word. I'm like, yeah. I think I'm gonna go go shake out. He's like, no, go in the pool. And I just replied. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like I associate with I associate with cross with being injured. So I'm like, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna go run. So that's funny so i guess thinking of like you said you got some blisters and stuff like what kind of gear did you use did you have i don't know, are you normally a blister guy because i never get blisters so i honestly don't even know what it's like to run on blisters and then how to deal with that afterwards yeah so i do in it takes a lot for my feet to get blistered right and i'd never like in marathons so and this is also this falls on me like i'm probably if they made a shoe like nine and one quarter size foot that'd be my shoe so like nine and a half feels a little big, nine size nine feels a little small when it comes to like running shoes. I don't want flippers on. So I'm 100% wearing size nine shoes. Like in my I'm like, it's a little, a little less weight. I feel a little quicker, like lighter on my feet. Um, feel a little more like agile. So I'm doing that like without a doubt. So, um, yeah, for me, I guess in marathon wise, it's like, with that being said, we're in a little, like slightly too small shoe. Um, I'll get just like, like I have currently probably, I'm well look right now. Like I'm missing four toenails right now. So like, it's just been like a part of me as a runner. I've never really had a ton of toenails. Um, whether it's, I don't know, my stride, the shoe size, all that. Um, so yeah, so in a marathon, typically like I'll just get really gnarly, like blisters on like a couple of my toes and I just like pop those and they're good to go in a couple of days. Um. I ended up wearing, I wore alpha flies for this race. Hadn't worn alpha flies. And this is where it gets kind of bold since uh, like middle of the year. And I wore them for part of my half marathon that I raced in. I blew up in them and like finished the race. And like, I threw them out. I'm like, I don't want like F these. It was the shoes. Really. I just wasn't fit enough for, to fit enough to do what I was trying to do. Um, I was trying to run sub six, sub six, three minutes. And I just blew up, you know, but I'm like, oh, it's the shoes. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, I just was not that fit. So um, e- easy to, to blame something um when they're not there and, and i didn't want flies prior to really that race either um so yeah so and i think and i'm not blaming the shoes necessarily but it's i was just in the shoe a lot longer than i was used to being in a flat you know it's i can go do a a major marathon session it might only take 90 minutes you know hour 45 two hours max you know that's still like under half the time i was i was in a pair of flats on saturday so um for me, there's really like, I just, I don't really bandage anything up. I just wear, wear my standard racing socks on um, the shoe and go. So, and again, really no major issues. I think the issues came up where, again, I'm racing an extra two and a half hours, really, you know? So, um, and where the Alpha sits too, at least Alpha Fly 2, I don't know if I've, I've always had this feeling and I've gotten a couple blisters on like the part of my like arch, um, just kind of where the, the pods kind of sit on the inside, I guess, in there. So, I just have some odd blisters right there. And again, it's, in a marathon, I don't know really a big deal, but because I was just so much longer in there, um, so you, you deal with choices and consequences. So I, 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 I um, I'll live with them for now. So no, definitely. Like I, I feel like I personally would rather have a shoe that's too tight than too loose because like sloppy shoes is like I just feel like I can't run in them and they just they feel awful and I feel like they cause more blisters. Whereas like if it's snug on your foot, like you, like you're saying you're more agile feeling and not that tunnel hill is technical, but like if you do have a technical section, you can actually have some confidence in your footstep versus just kind of like setting something down and then tripping over it. Oh yeah. I mean, the last thing I want to is like, 
again, you'd have to wear a much bigger shoe, but like your shoe catching on something just cause you're not, whether it's, you know, a rock or something or a branch that you might have to like high step over and your, your tip of your toe catches it and you eat shit. Like nobody wants that. I don't want that. So, um, so I'll, I'll lace up a little, little tighter shoes. So. Yeah, definitely. Like the blood looks cool on social media, but in reality, it's not the funnest thing in the world. Doesn't no my my feet feel like just because they're like like I mean they're they're this big on the inside of my of my arch, and they're just like the skin like was already like rubbed off too after the race. Um, so it was it was no actually. Is this a will people? You said people will, will be able to see this on here. Yeah, it'll be up on YouTube too. Yeah, I'll just show the uh, I'll just show I'll I'll show my sock after the. I mean that that was my sock on one of my feet. Oh, so like so like on the inside right there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's gnarly. But again, part of the sport. Like I, I you know, I ran on it yesterday, day after the race. It's didn't that uh, those hurt worse than my quads. So like I'm I'm I'll be fine. Like I you know haven't run today. I think my girlfriend convinced me to take one day off. Like I like I said earlier, but um, we'll see. We'll, we'll be back at it tomorrow morning. <laughs> nice man I, I like the consistency and the dedication um as we kind of wrap up here do you have anything on the calendar or are you just kind of in recovery mode now for the winter no so so it's wild like all right you know Olympic trials are 83 days away now so got to go and uh go and try to beat people there you know 61st in 2020 not a great day not a terrible day for my first time with the trials so um go see what i can do obviously want to pr- improve upon that would love a top 20 top 25 top 10 would be an a a a plus day um but you know that's where america stepped it up for sure in the last you know four years since the last time the trial so um so we'll try to beat people i'd love to also go chase a half pr so i'd love to do houston half that's three weeks before the trials just to like get that speed because for me it's like i'd argue too that like my strength is is there i'm good just like just work on the speed um and just come lethal at at the half and hopefully you know the 50 and the half can meet somewhere toward towards the marathon 50k so and compete well at the, the marathon there so that's uh that's the next thing up and then um we'll see we'll see you know i got hopefully some other doors open um after after saturday and we'll we'll definitely explore those options for sure after the trials nice man that's awesome well let's wrap it up here then that was super interesting to hear about the nutrition aspect of it and and like how you feel it's i don't know why it's like always super fascinating to me Oh yeah. No, it's uh like, if you do it right, like it helps you and, and more like, it's only gonna like help you recover, like help you train harder. Um, well, I guess I'll back up. It'll help you like one, you feel better. You'll be able to train better. You'll recover better. Therefore you're just going to perform better. Cause like you're able to push yourself more when you're adequately, adequately fueled, you have more fitness from that. Those massive sessions where you're fueled well, that's what really, really, really helps those race days. So you know, it's all just finding what works, stacking it all. Um, and legitimately too, I know we were, we were talking about this earlier at the start of the call, but like legitimately one of the like most valuable pieces of my training is like the nutrition aspect. So, and like the mix of like ketones and carbs and just like we're saying, feeling adequately. So um, hyper, hyper critical and like can't, can't say that enough. Yeah, I'd 100% agree with that. Just like one last little comment before we wrap. A friend of mine, he he runs for Hoka professionally, whatever. And he, he coaches too. And he always tells me, he's like, I don't believe in overtraining syndrome. I believe in underfueling. It's like all these people that say they have overtraining syndrome, it's usually because they're not eating enough. And it's like, it's kind of like 
I don't know, a chore sometimes to eat as many calories as you need to do. But if you're going to train properly, you need to be consuming enough like real food. Oh, dude, 100%. And, you know, I had a, you know, grade four sacral, like I cracked my sacrum literally in half, you know, a year ago. I think it was just one, I was, I was, I don't think overtraining, like you said, but I was, I was training very hard, but I was also, I think just under fueling. That's kind of what did it, not intentionally, but it was just like the same thing where it's like, I don't think I need, need an extra bottle out there like today, or I don't think I'll need a bottle out there at all today. Um, Cause it adds up, you put yourself in a hole, you know, and it's just, that's how you, get injured. I've been allowed to, you know, been able to train up to, like I said, 145 consistently, um, relatively consistently put a massive, massive block in because of adequately fueling. So. Uh, definitely. And so where can, uh, where can people find you, man? Like what's your social media and stuff? Oh dude, IG without a doubt. Um, <laughs> I'm like when I'm bored, I just death scroll. So that's, that's the place to find me. Uh, Lawrence underscore char, um, on IG. So, and, <laughs> Also too, like I've got a lot of Twitter followers after like this weekend, like the only time I'm on Twitter is just to like troll old teammates. So it's just a lot of just dumb sarcasm and stuff. So like, no, like everyone's gonna be so disappointed when they like, when the, cause like I don't actually tweet. I just like reply tweet to like my friends and troll them. So um, there's gonna be a lot of disapp- disappointed people on Twitter, but whatever. Well, yeah, what about Strava then? Are you, are you big on Strava or are you kind of- not on, on not, on, not on Strava. So I, I got this from Plaz, my college coach. So he was just like, you know, everyone would be like uploading stuff to Strava and this and that. And he'd be like, why are you doing that? He's like, you don't want Wisconsin to, to see what we're doing. We're trying to beat them. Da, da, da. So that's just been in my head for a long time. I mean, I don't do, I just do lots of hard long runs, lots of big sessions, nothing crazy, just that consistent work. Um, but yeah, no, not, not on Strava. Also disappointed, like I've gotten a lot of emails saying, you know, blah, blah, follow you on Strava. It's like my last, I think my last public post is 2018. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely not active on there <laughs> no no sir <laughs> all right man we'll cut it here then it was good talking with you and catching up and learning about uh, tunnel hill it was fun yeah man it's uh i mean obviously fast course great opportunity and you know fun fun time for sure so nice dude well we'll uh we'll talk soon awesome man appreciate you dude oh yeah talk to you later